0: If you go to a pub in Ireland, you have to have a song. And if you don't have a song, you may as well not put it on. I've changed the Murray, by the way. So if anybody wants to find me marae, right. well, i would say Peroni as
1: well. Hello, listeners. It's John from Four Blades in a Pub. Um, When we recorded the podcast, we did it on Wednesday evening. Um, This was before Prince Abdullah's uh, appearance this morning on Sky Sports News. So anything we say here is obviously recorded without being um, aware of what he said today. So there's no content like that. Please try to enjoy it for the celebration of the many highs of Chris Wilder's time as United Manager. And we hope you enjoy it and we look forward to... uh, Reflecting on the rest of the season with you soon. Take care, and as always, up the blades. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Four Blades. Still in a house. Um, We watched United on TV on Sunday, and we saw some real... Bits the green shoots in the second half, but ultimately it was another game where we huffed and we puffed and we didn't blow any house down. Um, it's really good to get together tonight uh, to talk about Chris Wilder and almost draw a line under it and celebrate some of his best bits and uh, also acknowledge some of his worst bits as well. And we think after this, we can hopefully start looking forward, talking about the rest of the season, new managers, new players, and hopefully a optimistic future. And I'm absolutely buzzing tonight to be joined by Mr. Rands. Good evening, Ian. Good evening, all. Uh, Dan, good evening, my friend. Good evening, all. And Phil, good evening. Good evening. So Phil has um, got the categories, and we've we have we have pre pre discuss this in terms of we all just put our answers in the WhatsApp group um, so there's not going to be any any repetition and the, the idea is they'll bring the topic up, we'll all put forward our nomination we'll obviously have a chat about it for a few minutes and then there'll be a thread on Twitter where you can put together almost the four blades while their greatest hits and then the dodgy B-side uh, compilation as well that we had to put out uh, because the record label had got like a six-year deal or something like that, I, I don't know. I remember HardFi doing a best of um, with two albums, so maybe that's the sort of vibe we're going with with this. But anyway, Phil, enough nonsense from me. First topic, what are we on?
2: So, first topic, we've got, to be fair, you're right, this one could go on all night, but we've picked for best signing by Chris Wilder. Um, I know we've all got us answers already so I'm not going to put anybody on the spot so I'll go for you first Dan who do you is the best signing under Wilder
3: um, I've thought long and hard about this and I think I probably came up with one or two uh, answers that you guys have come up with but I, I settled on on Dids, David McGoldrick um, I just think he in terms of how good a player he is he filled the gap with what we needed, we needed a, a bit of a link man and someone with a bit of flair at top. But just when you factor everything else in, the fact that he's just been released by Ipswich, you know, he's, he looked like his career was on the scrap heap, he'd had hamstring injury after hamstring injury, came in on trial, on a free transfer, and for, well, pretty much the entire time he's been here, so two and a half seasons, he's been arguably our best and most important player for a big chunk of that. And I think to bring someone in if we'd have spent 10 million quid on him, you'd have said, actually, that was 10 million quid well spent. So, to get him for free, I think is amazing. Um, so, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm hard-pressed to look past Dids, to be honest, as a, my nomination.
2: It's hard to argue against, isn't it? I think the fact that we've put him as, a, as an entry into our Hall of Fame says everything about him as a player, doesn't it? He, he showed the best and worst of himself at the weekend. Really, with the yeah exactly. I I did make this nomination, and then obviously an instant
3: flashback to his two-yard Toblerone head um, on uh, on Sunday.
2: (laughs) Toblerone head, brilliant, love it. I think what what amazes me most about McGoldrick is, if you remember back to when we signed him, there was uproar, proper fan uproar about signing this injury-prone journeyman from Ipswich who'd never really scored many goals and. How many people has he proven wrong and made to look stupid since? I think it's a great nomination. Yeah, Absolutely.
1: phenomenal football. I think Dan, you, you've used the phrase "footballer" many times when you describe him. Not saying he's the best striker, but he's the best footballer. You've arguably seen at the lane, and I think he's. I don't. I. I can't think back to a time of a more universally loved player than McGoldrick at United. Like, literally everyone. And it is even more surprising because he misses chances. Like, lots of chances as well, especially last season. Yeah, he got his name sung every single game last season when he was playing well. So, yeah, McGoldrick's a great shout down. Ian, you were going to come in then, sorry.
0: I was just going to say, I think hes I could be wrong, but I think his debut was against Inter Milan. And yes, it's pre-season friendly. But that night, he showed glimpses and it was like... Uh, you're going to tell me it wasn't, was it? It was Bradford away, I think. But then in I, I went, I mean, the inter-game I was thinking of it was the first time I saw him and, to me, yeah, it was right. I couldn't remember exactly, but the inter oh, Sorry
1: for being arse, but it's better it comes from me than someone on Twitter isn't it or something,
0: yeah. <laughs> but I think it was Bradford. Game. But but, but that inter-game, when I first saw him, I thought there's some, there's a, like you said, you can see straight away, yeah, it's friendly. All right, it's again, it's very good opposition in the early season, that start of their pre-season. But you just saw glimpses of then of what followed. You know, and I think it, I went away that night thinking, "I don't care free signing. You give, you've got to give him time a chance here because he he could be something different." And he was absolutely
1: he scored some big goals for United, Magolik as well. Like in that season, we went up. The was it it Derby that absolutely delightful little chip. He was he was absolutely fabulous in that Brentford game. That still to this day, I don't know how we managed to win. And and I you know he's. When they got those goals against Chelsea, I know no one was in the ground, but imagine if we had been. I think his name would have been sung on London Road until like the early hours of the morning. Like he's just universally loved player. Yeah.
2: Hard to disagree. Hard to disagree. Who have you gone for, John?
1: Uh, I've gone for another free signing, and um, hey. so many like Fleck tempted was really tempted by Leon Clark just because if you talk about uproar when we signed someone Phil people were really down on Leon Clark Wednesday fans were licking the lips because they thought it was going to be dreadful and it, everyone forgets that first season he spent most of it cropped Leon and then he still ended up with nearly 10 goals but only playing towards the end of the season and start but for me got had to be one of my all-time favourites and I think the best left back that's ever played Sheffield United and then Stevens like yeah, he's not performed this season like we know he can. But the levels we've had out of him as a free transfer, I just think he's a phenomenal player. And in my time watching United, the only two decent left-backs that come close to him are Quinney, obviously the friend of the pod, and somebody who was always pretty solid but not glamorous, Gavin asmith but it's what you got with Ender in terms of goals and things like that. Goal against Brighton, we're going to talk about best goals in a bit, but like that goal against Brighton was was just phenomenal and particularly in our rise from the Championship towards the end of that season, he was one of the players who drove us forward, got the team up the pitch his, 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 his input from goals and assists and stuff is phenomenal and it was particularly impressive because the season before a lot of people had written him off straight away as being not much better than Lafferty. First season I remember. <laughs> not much better than Lafferty and and then he just I know I mean he got done by Snodgrass against Villa late in that game didn't he but everyone's been done by Snodgrass with plays for United so it makes no odds and yeah Ender Stevens for me he just phenomenal player and very, very much a pre- like proved last season before lockdown. He was arguably the second best left back in the country, and the and the data back that up as well. So yeah, Ender.
0: I was about to say that same thing. That that period up until lockdown, you you couldn't yeah you know, you say you couldn't find many better left backs in the Premier League. Unfortunately, we've not had the same player since, but that shouldn't take away from where he got to.
2: Thing, one one thing about Ender and my nomination is quite similar into, and i come to mind obviously in a bit but and, and the same with same with McGoldrick, he lifted us up another level in terms of what yeah. we'd already got what we'd got used to and we were happy with where we were as well in terms of how we got out of League One and the players we got and um, th- the fact that Ender came in and I liked him's first season to be honest I thought he got a bit of a rough deal and he got better and better as that season went on. And, and then the promotion season and last year, I just thought he was brilliant. It's a shame a little bit, really, that he's, he's fallen away. That's so many of these players, I have to be honest.
0: <laughs> Ian? Um, and a player that, for me, that he's, has played his part right on our rise under Wilder. Um, became a, a sort of cult hero in some ways with the song in, in League One. That proved to be so vital to the way we play, um, and I think his absence plays a huge part in where we find ourselves now. And and the end of of Chris Wilder's reign, and that's Jack O'Connell. Just I, I know we had interesting. had a, a chat in in a, on WhatsApp group this morning. Was about you know who would you who would you sell if you could get you know was it twenty five million for O'Connell or twenty to thirty million for Berg? Which one would you sell? And there was a bit of debate in that, and maybe that's. Tarnished by the fact that players like O'Connell might be deemed replaceable, but I think he's kind of proved this season in the setup we have. So fundamental to the way we play, he's been irreplaceable. Um, yeah, just just fond memories. Mk dons away, dicking about with a sponge foam brick on the pitch after the match with the fans chanting his name. Everyone wearing magic hats. Um, of varying kinds. Like you say, that from that kind of cult hero status at that point for someone who Brentford told us was shit. All the Brentford fans, have done that one before, but and since. But you know <laughs> a the, theme
3: there, isn't there
0: Yeah. But ultimately, one of the best defenders I've seen at the lane. But add so much more to his game than just defending.
2: Yeah, I'm gonna say he's, he's one of the best crossers of the ball I've ever seen for United. Ever. Yeah. And he's a centre half. Mm. Uh, I yeah, he
1: yeah, he, he he's just an all round, he's a he's a proper top fuck. He's just a top pro as well. You just know you can tell like Phil that afternoon when we found ourselves in that um rather uncomfortable position with all the players and there was a lot of beer being thrown around. Jack didn't touch a job, did he?
2: And me and you wow. said to each other that
1: afternoon, that's why he'll play for England. And I, I, I think convinced he
2: made... he would have played for England this season had he not been injured. Convinced of it. He's much better than Tyro Minge. For a start, and and he gets in the in, in the squad every time now, doesn't he? So, to It's a great shout, uh, especially because he started so badly. O'Connell as well, didn't he? Yeah, it, it was it was real. them first few games, I think,
3: I think first time I saw him would would have been, probably been South End at home, and he just looked awful. You know, it were missed timing headers. He was caught under the ball two or three
2: times. He, he looked really poor. Cool. Do you think it was the change in formation that? Um, brought the best out in him maybe and, and that possibly
3: leads on to next season if if I mean it's unlikely that another manager will come in and even if he does play three five two 5 will play with this swashbuckling centre half so if a manager comes in and goes back to a back four how does that affect him can he can, you know he's had five seasons playing as a left-sided centre half in a three
2: might take a bit of, you know a bit of adapting to get back into playing be an interesting one is not it looking forward yeah. to it
1: Really, he's obviously he, he he's played with a lot of different people in that back back three as well. So, like obviously, Ender's been pretty consistent at the left of him for for a year or so. But like obviously, in the middle for a while was he Banksland down. Uh, or so. Um, then Wright played there for a while, didn't he? Jay Wright was playing there, which probably helped him because we actually improved when he went in rather than. Wilson what was, is Wilson it, played
3: is, a few games is it
1: James Wilson I can't remember yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and because and obviously we'd signed them to and to be honest with the center house, we had under Adkins I think everyone the only decent one we had with the what we call used to be a white ball but he was only on for back end at season he looked like he were okay Baptiste uh,
2: Baptiste
1: mm. was a decent-ish player but the you know your McEverley's Egan's etc oh, right oh right oh rough as and like, yeah, O'Connell as well. Like, now it'd be most Sheffield United fans back to you know, if you play 4 2, your favourite two centre half, most people would say O'Connell. Whereas before this sort of period, you know, it'd be Morgan's it, and Jaggy Elkers would be the shoe ins in the modern era. Whereas I think O'Connell is he's probably the best player that we've had at under Wilder and the fact that we got him as a reject or whatever and every time he's not only stepped up he's almost like he's been one of the players that have let us dream a bit about the next level we can get to because he looks so comfortable with every step we've made
2: yeah I agree completely that Uh, was nice wasn't
1: it? pardon? that was nice talking about things that are good for for a bit and we've got yours to come Phil this is great we get another beer in a minute (laughs)
2: <laughs> uh, so my best signing is probably a little bit of a controversial one, and it's more about what he brought at the time he came in, as opposed to what he's perhaps done most recently. And it's Oliver Norwood. So on the back of Coots getting injured, we we scratched around and we never really found that replacement that could drive a game on the way that Coots did in that period that he was he was playing as well as what he was. Obviously, we brought Lee Evans in. We brought. Um, What was his name? Ryan Leonard. That was it. They went to Millwall. And it, it was just never quite right. It was never quite the same. And then obviously Evans went at the end of the transfer window and it seemed like we were going to be left exposed in that position. And there was fans up in arms and people weren't happy about it. Bringing Norwood in, I can remember his debut in the Cup at home to Hull. Despite the fact he missed the penalty that actually meant that we went out of that game, he was brilliant. And you could see straight away we bought a player that was going to actually make a difference. His next game, where most people saw him for the first time, was Villa at home in the game where we beat him 4 1. And I think we realised there and then we've got a real player here. And he, in my eyes, was the catalyst that took us to that next level that actually got us promoted to the Premier League. And he was a large part of keeping us there because I thought he was excellent for the most part last season.
1: That's I, why I when this that's why those arguments at the minute that oh no one needs time on the ball, you can't get that in the Premier League, don't really add up for me because he was so good last season. All these players proved that they could play in the Premier League last season. The only problem is everything had to be going and going for them and it's and it's not. And yeah, they've had the weaknesses shown and also they twelve the twelve months older, but Norwood would that season feel. We went to that game together. It was a sunny evening and it was one of them cup matches where you go in, you get your 150 loyalty points, you pay your 10 and you go, God, this is going to be shit, is it? And, he said, and we sat there for two hours, but Norwood was an absolute joy to watch. Um, what a player. And I, we've all called this season for a bit more respect towards him and I, I still think it's massively lacking. And with him being, is he at the club to 2023, Norwood? Something like that I know he yeah. to do last year. I think it's highly he likely he's in the team next season and hopefully we can I think United fans need to learn to love Norwood again because to replace Ollie Norwood you're going to need to spend £10 million I don't care what anybody says It's interesting
3: there that three out of the four nominations have been players who've replaced players that Wilder's brought in and so replaced players who've done well for us and become that next level player with the exception of O'Connell so McGoldrick replaced Clark, who'd done well for us, but we needed to go to the next level. Stevens replaced Lafferty, who'd done well, go to the next level. Norwood replaced Koops, who'd done well. And it's three players we've kind of, we, we needed to take that next step to, to get us to where we are today, didn't we?
0: It probably needs, leads quite nicely into the next stage, because obviously sometimes these he's taken us one or two attempts to get that player. Yeah. In in some cases. You know, and, and as much as you know, wild as I mean, we've picked four gems out there. We've touched on some others. We spoke, but there's also times it takes a while to get that right mix. But when he lands on it, by God, does it work for us?
2: Yeah, but uh, but it's a fair shout that you're making. So that that's the next um, the next category. I'll do a bit of a quick fire one here. Worst signings. I think this will tell its own story in terms of how he's got it wrong at times. So. Um, John, I, I'm going to go first, just on the back of your end of Stevens, Worst signing was one of his first signings in my eyes, and that was Hussy. <laughs> we actually called, it with him and Braford, the two best wing-backs in the division at the time. Yeah. And I think he only played four or five games. I called it first time I saw him. I thought he was an awful footballer.
1: He was, he was really shit. Like, I, I mean, I don't need to go into it any more than... Oh, he sees dead ball delivery. Oh, he would just die. It just didn't work. And sometimes that happens, doesn't it? And um yeah, but he got built up. We bought all the best players from all the teams in this division. Well, Christ, how bad were the rest of the left backs in the league? Um Hussie. And what was good about it is Wilder owned it, didn't he? Like, he, he knew he'd, he dropped a bollock there straight away and looked to bring Lafferty came in on loan first he, and then signed him permanently, but... Well,
0: yeah. looked, he went on to Swindon on he was with us, then signed for Cheltenham. I, 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 know, like I,
3: know, I know you shouldn't write players off, but I'm, I'm with you, Phil. I think pretty much all of us almost unanimously the, the first time we saw him went now. Not, there's... There's just sometimes you see a footballer and you think, no, he's
2: just not. not."
1: It becomes very real when they're wearing the Blade shirt and doing shit things as well, doesn't it? It's like, oh, God.
2: We've had enough of them. I think we we can spot them a mile off now. We've had that many. So have you got that?
1: Well,
2: I'm going absolute
3: opposite end of the spectrum. And I, I probably need to qualify mine a little bit in terms of it's, this is based on, I'm looking at this one through the prism of this season. Um, my worst signing for Chris Wilder is Ryan Brewster now I actually think Ryan Brewster will turn out to be a very good signing for us I think he'll score a lot of goals for us for our year for us and I think we'll probably sell him for a lot of money going forward but in terms of this season I think that signing has, has been a big part of not necessarily why we're down here but it's it's, it's not been what was needed at the time we, you know we signed him big money, pursued him for a long time, fought off some, you know, some hefty competition from some big clubs for him. Um, and then after five or six games or however long it was, it was, yeah, well, it was never signed with this season in mind. It was always signed with the long term in the mind. We were never, ever in a position to spend 22, 23, 24 million record signing on a player who couldn't come in and hit the ground running. If we're spending that much money, we had to have a player who was literally... Ready to walk into the first team and score 12 to 15 goals this season. That was it is, like I say, as a player, I think he's good and I think he'll come good for us. But like I say, in the in the isolation of this season, I think he's been
2: terrible. With everything that comes with it, not just him as a player. Now I get yeah. it.
3: If, if you think you could, you know, he could have gone and got different players, but someone like Troy Deeney, you know, someone who's been there, seen it, and done it, would have come in, would have probably got 10 or 11 goals for us. Would have led the line, would have ruffled feathers, would have you know, would have been a, a real leader.
2: Just There's a similar was, argument with keepers, isn't there? We could have gone and got Ben Foster for not a lot of money as opposed yeah, yeah. to eighteen million on Ramsdale, yeah. I guess. Similar sort of argument. If, if you're uh, Man City or Chelsea, you can spend twenty
3: million on a kid and park him for two seasons on loan somewhere in reserves to become a man. We can't do that. If we'd have spent three million quid on him and said that he's not ready yet, that's fine. But for twenty two million, no, he's been well, a bad signing.
1: The the thing is, it's you you you, you we've gone down the Bournemouth through of buying players that you might, you can improve a little bit now. For every Nathan Ake, there's a Jordan I, and I'm not suggesting that Boosters a Jordan I, but I think it you know you we were dancing, we were maybe in retrospect, like you say, it's not it wasn't the right signing. I'm going to mention Booster later in a different point. Um, I actually think the more I've thought about it, Booster's signing could really have been one of the reasons that if there was any money to be available in January, the board maybe were like, "Well, I'm sorry, pal, we've just given you your 25 million pound toy and you've had it in the cupboard all season, so you can't you can't have a new one. You're not playing with what you've got, sort of thing. You got a toy Us with your mum and dad when you were a kid, and like, oh, that, we well, don't play with the other ones you've got."
0: An irrational thing. Me and Dan went to uh, Red Goats. Red
1: Goats, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my most fond, who's your Mine. Oh, just a quick one. Ryan Leonard, because we chased him for ages, and he was fucking rubbish. He, just, he was just a nothing midfielder. <laughs> and the and and the the best thing that came out of Ryan Leonard, uh, and summed up his ability actually was. Uh, Friend of the pod and all around Gen- general chef and I legend Dave the Blade Man uh, had a song for him that we've just signed Len Dog in the window He's got a really long throw We've just signed Len Dog in the window How far will that ball go? Now, if you're going to talk about a player who's got a long flow, we want Rory Delap levels, He could just throw it to edge it box. And it was just bang average. And, and we. it was one of them, like the Sam Morsey thread on S2, 4SU that got to like 400 pages and I think everyone resurrects it every chance they in now for a bit of banter. Like, he was just rubbish and we chased him for ages and Wilder talked him up as well and that's, that was really
0: disappointing because like I say, it was shit. Fair. Yeah. In, no, similar, a- similar vein. Ricky Holmes. Oh, Chased him for ages, came in. You look and you think style over substance, then you realize it's a man bun, so there's no style really, and there's no substance.
2: (laughs) Is he still there? He was until quite recently, weren't he? He back to Northampton.
0: Yeah. Uh, So he stayed on taking a wage, injured, well, not not selected, not good enough, injured. (sighs) Just what a waste.
3: Were, a, one or two like that around that era. That's Samir Carruthers came in with the same kind of oh this kid, you know, and, and he looked good in in patches, but
0: just I don't think Holmes looked good in
2: patches. I don't remember him. He, there was a game he he, good against us a few times. Oh yeah. yeah, there was a game he played quite well, and we got I think it was Wolves away in the first season in the Championship. We got absolutely spanked, but he looked quite good.
1: He time I
2: can never remember thinking he's got something about him for us. I
1: think he played up fun with Leon or maybe even on his own. And he, he did a decent job. That was a game that Simon Moore got sent off. Yeah
2: it was.
1: We got right. yeah, yeah. we got dicked like 3-0. And I remember well I don't remember it very well because it was a evening kickoff in Birmingham. And I think I got to Birmingham at ten o'clock and as they say the rest's uh, the rest history. Mark Haman mm-hmm. had me in some really, really unusual pubs. We had to get a lot of taxi rides that day. But Great great pre-match something, but Ricky o's the shit. Again, oh, he's the missing piece of the jigsaw. And he's another one, and I think we talked about this before, like that Wilder like continually tried to replace Duffy with all these signings, Carruthers Holmes, um, and never. And, and, and none of them ever we never we never did replace Duffy Duffy was always the best option there and all these players came in the club oh well Holmes allowed actually goals in that position we don't take shots from outside the box but he, I think he must have had a bad injury as well which didn't help
0: Look at it? It, it I'm just reading here because I was thinking about what was the injury had, Holmes had so he was transfer listed at the end of 2018-19 on 4th of May 2020, having been released at the end of his United contract, Holmes stated he would retire from professional football due to a back injury picked up whilst working on a building site in Horsham during his time playing semi-professionally for Chelmsford, which is right back at the start of his career.
2: <laughs> Great.
0: Um, isn't it? Currently at Southampton. South End, to... sorry, not Southampton. Southampton, Southampton. Southampton. Southampton.
1: fucking <laughs> hell. He's got a rate right agent there. Freudian slip. <laughs> He did go back Northampton for a bit though, Ian, didn't he? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, uh, I, don't, I thought I'd seen that. I think he yeah. was one of them. He popped up talking about oh, i played today and then he got the Dan X-Blades treatment on social media. Get him unfollowed. <laughs>
2: I think the point proves, though. I mean, we could probably have named quite a few more poor signings, as good as as good as some of the signings have been in the in the Wilder era. There has been some poor ones as well, and we could probably have carried on that conversation for a little bit. So to turn it back round to a positive, then, and there could be plenty to go out here. I've picked I've picked one I've been to, so I'll um, I'll let you talk about games that perhaps you've been to and the one that you think's the best during the time that Wilder's been manager at Sheffield United. Ian, do you want to go first this time? Yeah,
0: I think it's hard because actually there's some games in the Premier League. Actually, and dare I say one of the best games was Villa away in many ways. If you take away United-Tinted Spectacles as a game, it was a fantastic game, uh, the 3-3. But for me, um, best game was Northampton away. Lucky to get a ticket for Six Fields. Mr Mr. McDonald, friend of the pod, came up Trumps. Um, bust down, great day out. Got to meet me. Got to meet John. Let's not forget that. Started. Um and just sat there stood there with iPhone behind the goal, iPhone Dave. And yeah, it wasn't wasn't a great game. But it's that moment, and it's that moment when after that years of being in the wilderness, That was the moment everything came together. We we were on our way back, and you felt there's something building here. Not maybe not to the extent that what happened over the next three seasons, but there was something special under Wilder. That's you know that whole it'd be building to that point that season, and then it's more about what happened around the game. Like you say, the, the before, the after, getting back to the lane, the celebrations caught with you down at the lane, and. While they're coming off the coach and players bashing, coming sprainers with champagne, it just sprainers. He stuck a bottle in my mouth. I've still got a chipped tooth because of him. <laughs> sure, he can afford a dentist bill on Premier League wages now. <laughs> Sticking invoice him. In. Um,
2: no, I just, can't uh, remember t- much about that game. You know, I genuinely, I, I went to the, me and Dan watched it at the beanback at Bramall Lane I, yeah. get a, I can't really remember much about the game.
0: I probably had too much beer in in this and in, in the sunshine before a little bit in many ways. The bar behind the away end as well. like an open bar. I would get a good go as
1: well.
0: But yeah, and it just like things like on the pitch at the end when you know being there as Billy's being cheered off, Wilder coming out into the kind of directors' box seats and trying to come everyone down and and you know singing "Sure, Boys." Every
1: blade on the pitch apart from Kevin Beale, who didn't want. To have any part in case the promotion was void for the pitching base.
0: <laughs> yeah studying the stand on his own.
1: <laughs> Absolute genius move. Got I, the end. Yeah, I'm not anyway. having any involvement in that. These shenanigans. Uh, yeah, it was a, it was a phenomenal day, obviously, and phenomenal night. Like billion. Absolutely yeah, billion.
2: Come, come and, that,
1: and that month after that game as well, just smashing people, yet the players were out on the piss every
2: night. Knowing that we were <laughs> up, brilliant. What a time that was. Dan, have you, what game have you gone for? Uh, I'm going for a Villa at home.
3: So the 4-1. Uh, like I say, I think Norwood's first home, uh, first, league, first league, league game for us. Um, just because it was it was one of those games where you're taking on a big side so we'd obviously come up from the third we'd we'd have the season um, consolidating but we took on a big side and a side that were you know one of the favourites for promotion and we didn't just beat them by digging in and nicking a goal we we took it to them and we absolutely that first 45 minutes we absolutely destroyed them absolutely They they didn't know what they didn't know what they were and it was just it was one of those where you kind of look and you think you know, no one knew how the season was going to end, but it was almost one of these where you think, you know, this this could be something special, something something a bit special happening. Here. And like we said last week about these sorts of things being once in a lifetime, once in a generation, you just maybe got the feeling that there was, this was a, a special group of players who could who could do something unexpected. That was the first time where you thought, you know, we're a good side here. So, yeah, just and, and like i said been three up after. After about 25 minutes or something, I can't
2: remember exactly. Like that, yeah, we probably took them off the throat, didn't we? We could have properly put them to the, to the Yeah, throat. That was the day that Lundstrom nearly bust Jack Grealish in half, wasn't it? was, yeah, yeah, yeah. But also the fact where you realised we weren't going to,
3: you know, a lot of t- t- sides in our position, you might have gone one up and two up and kind of shut shot, but we were still in that, very much in that kind of vein of, like, don't take your foot off the throat. Once we've got them, we just, we keep going. keep going and we keep going and we get a third we get a fourth we get a fifth there's no there's no looking to shut up shop and and consolidate so yeah that's that's my vote Villa Villa 4-1.
2: John I'm going to go next because I know what you're going to talk about so mine probably won't take quite as long maybe but um mine and a little bit like yours Ian it was about the day as much as the actual game itself and that was the Ipswich game at home the, go, the game that pretty much sealed the fact that we were going back to the big time. O'Connell's header, Fleck running into... Uh, O'Connell, sorry. Was it O'Connell that came running in from the sideline? It was actually yeah. getting
1: tricky. Yeah, I like, having a chat with like Wilder nil, weren't he? And then he just like came in dead late.
2: And then the celebrations afterwards, Wilder on the pitch with his interview virtually crying. And just the start of, you talked about it earlier, a weekend that I'll just live forever in my... My tiny little mind. That day in the hotel on the Sunday was just stuffy always, leg.
1: I always remember the conversation you had on the phone with me, like right about ten o'clock. What you doing? In bed. Why? I'm absolutely angry. mate I've only been in about four hours. You better get in the shower then and come meet me. Meet me on wood seats. All right. <laughs>
2: still pissed when you turned up
1: brilliant yeah uh, Dan new... ran past you ran past Dan you were you, life it life up. So you were in, uh,
3: in that sports bar on wood seats did uh,
1: and then oh yeah phenomenal everyone who listens to this podcast will know where BP is outside uh, Bramal Lane we all congregated there and Dan set off running towards me and then just sort of running jump at me but Good job, I'm steady on my feet because it was like you like charging into the final like battle in Infinity War level of like intent, yeah, going on. It was like really, 75, <laughs> absolutely brilliant. Just that night, I remember being in the lead mill and all the went- some Wednesday fans like getting angry that we we're singing United songs. The bouncers told them to behave themselves, just a- absolutely, just phenomenal day, phenomenal night. I not much about the game, but what well, time do we get to sheep? I think we're in for about half ten. Like it's nice and early, just make sure. But we were all all four of us, if you remember, we were all just completely and utterly relaxed. I seem to remember now. You might say hindsight. said, look, well, I seem to think we were pretty relaxed. If we were going to win that game. Yeah, I, I remember not being not being
3: particularly worried about it, even though you know in the back of your mind, you always think it's us. <laughs> This I, I just seem to remember right being okay about it. <laughs> for the most part, the worst person in these situations is Chops, who just goes pale and quiet and just
1: kind of sits there just nursing his pint and rocking back and forth. <laughs> You're not drinking today. Not for far. Anything could happen. We can, in switch, you've got some good young players. Yeah, but we like probably the best side in the league, so we'll probably beat them because they're shy. Uh, yeah, but it was a great day. Great day. Go,
2: go on. then, John.
1: It's well, with it. The ultimate the ultimate one. Like in it, I don't know if it'll ever be better. I feel, I mean, in terms of the series of events in the game and stuff, uh, the players who've scored the goals and manner of the goal, but it's got to be bouncing day. Um, just a phenomenon like, um, being in Weather in town, I always there's something quite perversely exciting about how tense City Centre is on the morning of a Sheffield derby, particularly a Hillsborough one, because obviously it's not in town. You have to go out to Barnsley, don't you? It's always a bit on edge. Everyone's like having a pipe with a breakfast, but everyone's like eyeing each other up, like, oh, I recognise him. Do you know them? Why are they in here with us, et cetera? Got up there really early, luckily, uh, and they didn't have any beer on, which was a shame. Uh, but yeah the match started and soon from flakes goal on was it was just dreamland and then it got pretty nervy because i don't like seeing them bounce on tv but when they're doing it in you in the ground you're thinking oh my god like there's the vermin bouncing up and down and you can feel it like and it, say it looks impressive but it just makes me feel a bit uncomfortable to be honest but then obviously duffy just sat them all down and then Leon getting the fourth and everything that came out afterwards that is Wilder's birthday, the picture of them owls sat down, the fact Leon Clark scored, Jack Hunt being made to look like a complete and utter Sunday league player by Brooks.
0: Looking for a rhyming couplet then.
1: <laughs> Brooks, Brooks Brooks drinking a Yazoo to celebrate, like all little things like that and it was just phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal and it's most we, we've all seen United win at Hillsborough, it's always uh, special. Oh, well, it's always special.
3: Uh, yeah, I don't think I've seen, I'll tell like, I've never seen us losing league at Hillsborough.
1: It, it's special to win at Hillsborough at best of times, but to take them apart and batter them, particularly with the absolute bollocks he was spouting in the run up to that game and around that time. Um, it was just brilliant and you know Coots absolutely staring a hole through all their players cats in that day and everyone I'm at right, Phil. you've never seen us you've never seen
2: us win at Hillsborough no nope. really no nope. been twice saw us losing the cup and saw us draw once I, I wasn't I wasn't living up here when we beat them in 91 was it um, and I've I, how many times we've we been there since twice I, just, I didn't get to either game so I'm not going to break that hoodoo by stepping in that ground to watch United ever again. No, it's
1: fucking yeah. shit all. Why well, would you? But <laughs> <laughs> obviously, great, wherever you watched it. Not a good day for jacket collectors, but a good day for blades everywhere.
2: <laughs> what John's referring to there is the United fans stole my jacket from Champs that day. The twat. Phil Channel,
3: Phil Channeling is isn't his namesake's uh, feelings, Phil Collins, no jacket required. <laughs>
1: I think we also for cultural references that are bang up today,
2: like, hard find Phil Collins.
0: <laughs> you'll find the jacket was required.
2: <laughs> yeah, it was. I just couldn't find it because some other <laughs> scrot had it.
0: Someone else wrote an album called, I've Got A Jacket Acquired.
2: <laughs> I, came met,
1: I came and met Ian, uh, fairly you two, in um, what the pub that used to be actually good, and it's gone downhill again now. Albion. Albion. In beer garden at Albion, Alan Pickard bought two crates of Foster's, <laughs> and we're drinking them. Right, they've let us in. The least you could do is put some money behind the bar, drinking cans of Foster's in there. But phenomenal, absolutely
2: phenomenal. So that's the first three things we've talked about under the Wilder era, and I think we could have carried on with those a little bit longer. So we'll have a little break now and and come back for some more in a little while. So welcome back. We're gonna continue with the theme. We're gonna talk about the best goal in the Chris Wilder era. And there's been plenty to go at. So let's see. Where are you gonna go, John?
1: Um again, loads to go at. I'm gonna to try to we realise that we might have to do two pods if we're not careful, so we're gonna be quick. Um uh, Lafferty at Rochdale, just phenomenal goal if you remember that bad boy.
2: Um, we'll one
1: unbelievable. Uh and and also a bit of a not collector's item but I reckon I'd love to know the stats on this and someone can work it out so I'm not going to one of probably less than 30 goals in the four and a half years under Wilder from outside the box I
2: would have said a lot less
1: a lot less yeah Yeah. so yeah and and just and just a great one and what's great about it from anyone who's ever played football Lafferty, obviously wing back hitting like an absolute world being just phenomenal I was on Sky Sports News that afternoon <laughs> just so you know was that on the back row of the stand yeah 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 As Bianca Westwood uh, good memory yeah I was on there Uh she moved to the second half funny that because yeah, he got away from you <laughs> I didn't say anything to her
0: I was just He <laughs> <laughs> didn't say anything to her just stood in front of her staring but <laughs> what, what Carly said told her that you said about her um, she's a West Ham fan she's not my type right. <laughs> Ian best goal um, best goal uh, just I mean John's touched on the match just for the sheer that moment of Duffy scoring at Hillsborough just everything uh, what it what it did to Hillsborough that day what it did to us in champs because I just remember after they equalised me just kind of just be rocking sort of head in hands I don't I don't think i looked to put the screen till partway in the build up to it because I was just so we've completely blazed this up, so you know to to and also when he hit it, I don't think I realised it had gone in. You know from the angle Uh am watching on the TV screen. If it was there was a kind of delayed reaction, I think as to you know has it gone in kind of thing. Um But yeah, just just that point where I thought we'd blazed it up at Ulster. They were on you know bouncing away and we hadn't. And obviously went on to to properly beat them. And that that to me. You know, we've gone through a period where United haven't really, until now, blades it up as we'd always just used to say we'd do. You know, it's been a phenomenal run and that's just one highlight of it.
2: Yeah, it was a crossover moment, that, wasn't it? Yeah. Definitely. Dan, best goal? Um,
3: I'm going for, just because of the goal and just because of what it did at the time, uh, Moose's goal against Man United. Uh, to put us two up. Um, yeah Yeah it did put us two up Yeah just because At the time That kind of summed up That goal kind of summed up Everything we were about We were You know We were hunting in packs We were You know this is Alright it's not a vintage Man United side But we It's, it's still a, a Very good Man United side With some very good players in Like I said we, we were aggressive We were front foot We were hunting in packs We were chasing teams down And when we got the ball We were kind of direct and dynamic with it A lot of Again A lot of the things That have been missing From this season I think that goal just just summed up almost up until for, for sixty minutes what was almost a
2: perfect performance against a very good side. Yeah Moose himself was just outstanding that day. Yeah of he had to, that yeah.
3: little yeah you know, that, that little purple patch of what five or six games where he was unplayable and he looked he looked an absolute steal at 10 million quid. Um, and and the goal itself you know to to kind of I think he, he I think he win the ball initially off someone, hunted someone down and then and to take it as early as he did, from how far he did, you know, he could have taken it but to put it in the bottom corner from from well outside the box, um, just everything about that goal kind of summed up that, that, what we were as a side then. So, yeah, that's, that's fine.
1: were loads. I mean, Moose being progressive with the ball, Lundström passing it forward, it seems like a lifetime ago. Oh, that goal. No,
2: oh, Quite sad to think it's not actually that long ago. My my best goal, because it's going back quite a while, actually, and I don't know whether how many people remember it, Kieran Freeman away at Swindon in the League One uh, season. It got shown, it might have been about a year or so ago, to, it showed you a, a refresh of the goal because of the amount of passes. There was something like 35 passes that came down one side of the pitch, all the way back, back to Moore, back down the other side of the pitch, back round again. And it must have gone backwards and forwards two or three times before eventually Kieran Freeman turned up in the left wing-back position, strangely, when he's a right wing-back, and tapped it in from about two yards out. And I can just remember thinking at the time, if that's if Chelsea scored that goal, Man City scored that goal. They're purring about it on Sky, but because it's on League in League One, it didn't get the coverage it deserved because it was just a fantastic team goal and said everything about that team at that time.
1: I remember that. I remember that night. I got to Swindon in two hours forty minutes because the person who gave me a lift drove like a psychopath, and I had to have about five pints in an hour to calm down before the match. I think O'Shea scored as well and it was a very, very comfortable victory. Much more... Yeah, in the in the end, I think it was comfortable. Like, I can't... It's, it's a long take. It sounds that's like a long time ago now. A lot more relaxing
2: yeah, than the play. Their keeper passed it to uh, O'Shea late on Yeah. to make it comfortable because they came back. I think it was 3-0 and they came back to 3-2. Yeah. Um,
0: That might have been foddering them as well, actually, thinking about it it wasn't I watched yeah. the video back because I was trying to work out which goal you are on about and then yeah. I remembered it's the one that United tweeted out for ages afterwards yeah. just because of the ping 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 all the passing
1: great yeah. it's a great shout. I until you mentioned it now Phil I, I didn't really have recollection I remember the I remember the, like the evening I could probably tell you the pub I went in and stuff but
0: yeah took it for granted some of that back then <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: yeah week in week out what I'd what give to go in a hungry horse now and drink
2: four pints of Moretti. I was on about the football. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> where are we, we going to go next and on our little list? Best single moment? Yeah. yeah. Fair? Yeah. So, I mean, Christ, I, we could go on all night with just this one. Best single moment under Chris Wilder? Who wants to go first?
1: I'll go first because I don't think it is probably not the best. just The best thing about football is either scoring a late winner or scoring in a game away from home against opposition that are far better than you um, and to either equalise or to something like... Basically, it's all about celebrations in the away end for me are the ultimate things and when John Fleck scored at Arsenal after we slowly turned the screw against this you know exciting Arteta side and you've got like Pepe 70 million it doesn't matter that they should have had a penalty in the first half where O'Connell tripped him up but all all these things and then Fleck hit that in and then the ridiculous celebration where I've always had doubts about the IQ of Mr Fleck uh, and the fact that he can't even execute a knee slide without turning it into a face plant, I think probably confirms my suspicions. But like, the the absolute euphoria in the away end, the fact that we should have probably won that game at the end as well, and the scenes afterwards, it was just like, God, they're fucking good. Like, we are really, really good. We've just drawn an arsenal, and we probably should have won. And if, for me, it was like... Confirmation of where we were because that was the start of the run of games where I think they, might not have been another game, but then it was Palace the week after, and then the week after that. Oh, Millwall was in between Palace and Arsenal, so it was three London aways on the um, on the bounce. Um, and yeah, the flat goal at Arsenal for me was just a it was just a real moment, and I'll, I'll, I'll probably remember it for a very long time.
0: Ian? Um I've gone for away day. Um, I've gone for the day the the idea for the pod was born, but that's not the reason I've gone for it. But West Brom away. Um, probably the drunkest away end I've ever been on. Um, hottest coach I've ever been on as well? The hottest coach I've ever travelled on. Um, I was stood with friend of the pub Paul McDonald, and how he was allowed in the ground, I will never know. <laughs> David Kirkham somehow got him through the turnstiles. All right,
1: Mr K, happy birthday. So, yeah,
0: happy birthday, Mr K. And um, God love you. Come, it's go for a drink oh, soon, David. But that 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 day, it was probably the, one of the trickiest away games we faced all season. You know, good and West Brom trying to get a result. Yeah, that was the day at the full time whistle and I turned and I have quite a few people who said it since, but I turned to Macker and went, We're going up. There was just something about that whole game result feeling afterwards. I can't pinpoint it. It was just a it was just a fantastic moment. And the fact that it it what well, you know
2: We were depleted as well. Stevens was playing left centre half, O'Connell was yeah. out. Um Dowell Dowell played left wing back no
0: Marvin Johnson played left wing back Marvin Johnson left wing back Craney was playing Craney played
2: right centre half Craney played right back yeah Craney
1: Craney crossed
2: us to Dowell's goal didn't he yeah Yeah. Craney played right centre half and Dowell played outside him we were properly depleted that that, that evening, but you're right. It was.
1: <laughs>
2: it was that moment you kind of thought that's it, we we can do this. And that the videos of them that way ends fantastic.
1: Yeah. You have to close the bar at half time because they didn't want anyone to have any more boobs. They could have made millions, I think. Like hyperbole is allowed where everyone would have seen the Kiev and Dowell song at half time. And like it was one of them where bins had gone up and well, like everyone was just oh it's about half past seven at night on a Saturday when you've got people loose on the booze like it were great to coach though we had a nightmare that day didn't we boys <laughs> coach Alan. Did, Alan Alan went like Alan had actually first time ever been started to expand out I think he put two buses on Um one had broke down or, uh, I can't remember. Anyway, we ended up on something that looked like. We ended Otto up,
2: from we ended up bus for of grain That's what we ended up with.
1: Oh, from Simpsons' jar. One of them on one side, it was three seats. And I think when well, I sat next to you, Phil, and at one point said, "Bloody hell, have you spilled the drink on? spill the drink
2: on this seat?" You went, "No, I think that's somebody's sweat." <laughs> oh God! <laughs> another notable, another no- notable memory from that day is if you remember, I, um. In Litchfield, I picked an orange up off a market stall and chucked it at our Joe, at Chops. Chops took it off me and launched it in front of him and hit his best mate on the back of the head from about 30 yards away. Brilliant. <laughs> Absolutely. Robert Morley hit him, nearly knocked him over. It was fantastic.
1: It was a, it was a classic day, and uh, like we decided to do the pod as well. So, And then me and Ian recorded our very first podcast the week after in a pub on a terrible microphone. And it was fucking dreadful. So, any of you who've listened to every episode since then, uh, we owe you a pint. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it.
2: <laughs> beat, that, uh, beat that, Dan. Um,
3: so, my best single moment is uh, the instant the ball hit the net for the third goal against Burnley. For the third goal against Burnley. Um, again, it was. Before that game, it was this is going to be toughest, you know, this is going to be the toughest test of the season. Burnley, a, a, a tough side to be, and to be 3 0 up at half time against a, a side like Burnley, who are renowned for being defensively solid, and just almost like the, the kind of mixture of joy and almost disbelief on people's faces. People were kind of, they were cheering, but they were almost laughing at the same time, like in a kind of, what the fuck is going on here kind of, kind of way. Um, I just it was that seemed to be the when we when we actually first arrived, you know, when we realised we'd arrived in the Premier League and we weren't just there to make numbers up and we weren't going to be whipping boys
0: and we could actually
3: hold our own.
0: Phenomenal. I mean, that that was it, just the first, that first half football in particular was just just a different gravy.
3: And again, we just took them
2: apart, you know, they were well worked goals, weren't they? Yeah. Was Moose really was well unplayable again, <laughs> there go. Moose was unplayable again, wasn't
3: he? He, he? he set all three up, didn't he?
2: Yeah, all three. Yeah. All three were credited to him. One I'm not sure he meant to, but the other two were brilliant touches. One a of, touch, on, didn't he, but Yeah. I mean both
3: obviously both Lundstrom's goals were almost carbon copies of each other, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. Just that, that ball whipped across and him coming in late at the back post for essentially a tapping, which again we've
2: we've kind of lost of Missed a player like that this year, haven't we? Just a
1: bit. Missed mm. yeah, me
3: Lundström Three and
1: up against Burnley. We missed Lundstrom, Moose, and that version of Fleck as well that we saw that game. It was it was great performance. Like you say, Dan, like there's something satisfying about a comprehensive win in the Premier League that you can't quite describe. I think it's that nervousness, isn't it, of, oh, do we belong, do we belong? And then you actually beat a decent side at home who are renowned for being awkward. You, yeah, we do. and we've And I think that gave us... That was... But like obviously you always get the love in between Wilder and Dice, don't you? But it was it gave us a platform, I think, around that time. I can't remember the exact fixture list, but I think we, we then went on and got
2: put some more points on the board. So Yeah, it was a good period that we'd got a tough run and we we got points out of them all, I seem to remember. Yeah. Really good time. I, I've kind of talked about my best single moment already in, in the Ipswich game so O'Connell coming in. Just that moment where you knew. They're not going to pull this back now. We're up. Yeah. Hogan got, Pardon.
1: Hogan got the first goal, didn't he? And it was a bit nervy. I think Hogan got a tap in eventually. Yeah. End at second, end up first half, and it had been a bit like and that just sealed it.
2: It yeah, that was the goal that, that took us up, wasn't it? We we kinda the nerves the edge was taken off the nerves by Hogan's, but then sealed it with that header. It just kind of confirmed everything, didn't it?
1: Brilliant.
0: And, Perfect and, from St Colt.
1: and and like you know for the next thirty, forty years when this they, they show videos on social media or whatever bloody platform comes next, TikToks of of Jack O'Connell when he leaves, or we talk about form players or when he meets a milestone, that image of his of him running away will always be like he's just an iconic United image now, isn't it?
2: Definitely goodness isn't it do we'll do we know, we've, we've talked about some nice stuff should we bring it back down a peg or two then
1: yeah we'll do it quickly though because <laughs> let's let's try to keep the pod reasonable length but also we want to be fair because it's not all been roses has it
0: go on then so i'll 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 pick up the mantle on this mm.
3: <laughs>
0: thanks for that um we talked about Worst signing before so let's move on worse two, two very similar so we could rattle through these by giving both your answers to these I think at the same time because there's worse performance and worse result and we've come up with different combinations for each because obviously a bad performance sometimes doesn't always mean it's the worst result you know and a worse result not actually because of a bad performance can be bad luck or whatever you know just the res- what we need at the time we didn't get so I think kicking this off Dan do you want to go first? Worst, worst performance yeah,
3: I mean, and worst results my, my worst performance again I don't really want to talk about it and think about it too much it's Palace away this season just uh, we just offered nothing it's just you know it's the latest in a, in a long line of games this season
2: where we just offered nothing my, mine's on a similar theme down, Southampton away this season just nothing yeah. there the opposition keepers could have just sat and done Sudoku <laughs> nothing to okay. do
0: what was your and yours is this season as well, I think, John?
1: Oh, West Ham, West Ham this season. Obviously, a lot went wrong with the injuries, but I just never felt like that for me was so bad on a lot of ways because it was we'd had a few decent results. Thought, well, like, this is a real test, we'll win tonight. There's a real platform here, and we just shy again like, really, 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 really shit. I right. West Ham away, and Moise got them playing really well, but I just thought we would we were dogged Considering the performance, I think, the weekend before we'd put in against Man City mm. and obviously Man United as well, um, it was always going to be a tough run of games, but we'd given ourselves a platform by winning at Man United to maybe get something at West Ham and then you'd be like, hey, up, oh, you never know. And that, and it just so happened it coincided with Fulham and a few other t- Newcastle and Brighton all getting results and it was almost like, you know, the coffee lid was on, there's just nails, nails have not been hammered
0: in. I, I went slightly different in that I went for Barnet in the Cup and I know we didn't have a full-strength side out but for me, whatever side you put out that day, you've got to be beating non-league opposition in the Cup and the Cup games were just sometimes so devoid and I know you, you've you got different players and the, the but they're the players that got to come in and cover those positions and it highlighted, I guess, a weakness of a squad and just just a lack of bothered you know those players ought to be wanting to play more games that season get more game time be ready to come in and it, it was just awful it was just awful and in some ways I, I think is, like I say regardless of what team you put out you shouldn't you shouldn't be losing to a non-league side in a cup
2: no they, they battered us as well yeah could have, could have been more quite comfortable
0: yeah. <laughs> so as bad as these were at least you know we're in a Premier League playing poorly against Premier League sides that that just annoyed the hell out of me that day. Um, going on to worst results. Um John, do you want to kick off?
1: I just really was disappointed when we lost to to Leeds at home in the promotion season when Henderson made the error. Uh, I was getting like in the after the previous season, you know, taking six points off them with the Brooks goal um, and then the amazing like performance of the way where Sharp scores the world I was getting, did we actually get six points actually I'm not sure but basically when Henderson made that gap it was just really disappointing and I started to question whether it might just be a step too far and actually you've got the you know what I mean and yeah. I just felt really low after that game and that one that came to mind uh, has just been been a bit different, so because like, actually, in and this is a turning negative negative into a positive. We tend to win, we tend to win really important games in the Wilder, right? Yeah. And and that's something that you we you couldn't always say being a United fan, but we we tend to get the results when they mattered. Go back to League One away at Peterborough, you needed to win that game, we did. Bolton at home, League One, we needed to win it, we did. You know what I mean? And and. All the way through, and I don't think that 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 there's many I could see like that. So yeah, it was that that, that leads at home game They lost when
0: Henderson had a, sh- a shocker. Phil, you went for a, a championship match as well, but from the previous season, I think.
2: Yeah, that that game where Wednesday beat is nil nil. <laughs> I think we, you said earlier about performance and results don't necessarily always have to kind of go hand in hand. We were really, really good that game, especially first half. We absolutely took them apart and just couldn't, for whatever reason, couldn't find that finishing touch. Um, I'm not sure, was that the game that McGoldrick missed the penalty? Yeah. Yeah. it, It was just, like I say, we were brilliant, absolutely brilliant at times in that first half. And it just didn't happen for whatever reason. And they celebrated like they'd won the World Cup and took beers to their fullbacks house the next day to celebrate him, him playing so well in that famous 0-0 win The way, way we played that game and the, the, like I said, the
3: mentality under Wilder I think if Didsy puts that penalty away we've got a good chance of avenging Boxing Day Yeah I agree
0: Absolutely That Obviously, could have been the, you know, that, that could
2: have
0: that, been the greatest Sheffield double
3: Yeah that, that penalty miss gives them something to hang on to without that and the way we were playing because we were relentless then you know, if we'd have got one it wouldn't have been a case of Hang on to that. It would have been, let's get two, let's get three, let's get four. Uh, I think that
0: was a it's, a, it's a missed opportunity, that. Yeah, definitely. Talking of missed opportunities, I've, I've gone for one from this season early on and I've gone for the Leeds home game where I just feel that if we got something that day, and you can say, well, we've had wins since, and it hasn't kick-started our season, but something that early in the season, a result against Leeds at home, might just have been... The kickstart we needed, getting and, points
2: on the board earlier and all that sort of stuff. Yeah,
0: and it, it, you know, obviously we had our chances. The keepers pulled off a couple of great saves. Conceded a soft goal to Bamford. Um, yeah, just, just, it, it's hard. I found I found worst result hard because you can get worse result in performances, and, and there's a lot of overlap. But for me, I, I went for something that was just really really frustrating coming away from it thinking we should have got something out of that and at the time you think oh well on to next week because did we have Fulham or was Fulham following? Yeah Fulham was fairly soon afterwards Yeah so you think alright there's another there's another winnable game on the horizon Yeah, and it kept looking at their next winnable game on the horizon and I just think Leeds was a, a real missed opportunity to take some points some Yorkshire pride off you know off them and yeah Tis what it is. I think Dan, you've won this with this season as well, didn't you? I
3: did, and, and I think this was well, the my, my kind of worst result is, is Leicester at home this season, uh, and it's, it's the manner of the defeat. You know, Leicester are a good side, Leicester are you know, one of the best four or five sides in the country, and kind of fought back to, to one apiece. And we were actually you know, architects of our own downfall, we were actually pushing forward for a winner. Had we, we decided to dig in for a point, we may have seen it out. Uh, just just what what that could have done, what that probably did to morale. You know, if you, we hold out for another 90 seconds or whatever it was, and we've got a point off a very good Leicester side, and it's another small building block, and it was a time of the season where all wasn't lost. You know, it wasn't, we'd not been cut adrift by that stage. We, were, we weren't great, we weren't cut adrift. I just think that point could have been something for us to, take out that game and build on and I just think losing it in the last minute I've that Basil brush face squat winner but just irrespective of who is it who is that does it to lose in that manner and I think you saw Wilder's reaction on the touchline What it did to him
0: yeah just think that was I think that was a real hammer blow for the season it was like winded winded him yeah. and he just winded the club absolute the punch yeah so we'll, we'll- move on to the last of the worst so we'll get it out of the way before we finish with on a, a bit more of a high um worst claim or media comment mail made by wilder and i think we're, we're trying to recognize here that as much as he's come out with some absolute pearls which we'll come on to there's times where it's probably got a you know touch not quite hit the mark let's say uh phil do you want to kick off on this one
2: yeah, mine's quite a recent one, actually, and I can't remember what it was about, but he, he, was, he was talking about people being offended by things and he made a comment about lefties. Now, well, it doesn't really matter what side of the political divide you sit on. It's just you you don't really want to hear a Premier League football manager talking about political terms like that. And, and it just came across to me as being quite unprofessional. Yeah and i i just i mean in in no way did it bother me in terms of oh that's his political beliefs therefore i don't I don't agree with them it just it just smacked of not sounding right coming out of a football manager's mouth I just didn't like it and it it kinda it had been a few things building up to him coming out with something like that that it just like i say I just felt it was a bit unprofessional to be talking like that in the in the national media didn't particularly shine him in a good light or us.
1: Lefties, uh, I'm not bothered about lefties and do-gooders, I'll tell it like it is, which is usually said in a pub, followed by something racist or offensive. Um, it's... he <coughs> it would just... There's no need. It, it unfortunately was an example to me at how maybe it was... <coughs> exposing the fact that he's not always managed in the upper echelons of the game and like you wouldn't get him or Roy Hodgson wouldn't say that or someone like that and I know they're very different characters but talking about clubs that we were looking to compete with this season it just it just didn't sit right with me and like a lot of things he said this year it's not been he's obviously a frustrated man and he's probably not articulated what he's trying to get across as well as he could and he's um Yeah, and whatever his political opinions are, Phil, it doesn't really matter, does it? It certainly doesn't need to come into
0: football. No, not at all. Do you want to pick up on that, John? Because I think yours is about, you know...
1: You know, I mentioned, like, Dan earlier talked about Brewster. And I I think, for me, it's more of a collective tone slash narrative that he often tried to build this season of, oh, well, you know... (laughs) We're in his own mini league. At the, it went from you know want to be as competitive as possible has always been the way he'd speak about United to now. Oh, we're in his own mini league and the constraints we find ourselves in, and you know like this web of sort of like financial hardship. But all done when in a game, you know various players have come on the pitch, so we'd be losing and Sharp have come on. Yeah, it brings leadership. Don't need to get on who they are, but all along. We've had McBurney in and out of the team. Brewster sometimes not even put on the pitch. Um, a lot of the players, like even sometimes, we don't need to go into him, but Burke not coming on and not using the subs bench in what you fans would see like the right way, or indeed picking his players that he spent money on in the starting eleven, and then making out that you know is some sort of like hardship and stuff it's like saying oh yeah I have to drive that banger but you've got a Bentley in the garage and it's sort of like well Jack you know what I mean not using yeah. like contra- almost contradicting what you're saying by not you've got the Brewster and you're not playing him and you're talking that you've not been allowed
0: to bring in the players you wanted yeah it, it just doesn't sit right it, 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 yeah it's a clear contradiction
1: and yeah and there was a lot of that and I I feel like the the I used to get excited and I was calmed and motivated by Wilder press conferences it used to make me relax before big games it used to get me up for big games and as this season's gone on it was almost a bit awkward like I think, oh what's that no, what's that even mean
0: I think like, this ties it's ties in quite I think it ties in quite nicely with Dan's I think which is it, yeah, on a mine, similarish kind of vein,
3: isn't it? Yeah, mine's on similar lines. Mine's the, the the general attitude of almost waving the white flag this season in a lot of games, and it, it almost kind of hark back to what Warnock used to do when, when we were in the Premier League before. And, you know, we always said, you know, we're just happy to be here as though we were kind of beaten before we started. And the, you know, last se- yeah, last season. We weren't like that, you know. We came up and we were we were we were bullish and we were we were aggressive and we were front foot and the manager was on the front foot and he was, he was confident in his own ability and the confident in the team's ability, um, you know. And he was very much you know this whole thing about going out the front door. And then this season it was very much, well, you know, look at what look how much their players cost compared to ours and you know that we can't go toe to two with these teams and it just there was a almost palpable change in his attitude which I think unfortunately and, and understandably transferred through to the players and last season I think the players fancied themselves against these big you know these big teams your Man City and your Chelsea and I think this season I think we were almost beaten before we before we kicked off in a few games and I think a lot of that came down to the kind of message coming out in the, in the press conferences just I'm not like-
1: sure where the change came from and even when you, then talk about, you know, that, the effect on the players, the last time we, he said something positive about the players, he spoke about McBurney, Brewster and co. In the context of next season, but he did that when there was still like nearly 20 games to play, hmm. which in itself isn't him, is it? And what we became accustomed to, it, everything about that—it's like a shifting, shifting attitude, shifting self-belief. You know, I'd, it's,
0: I, I think. It's tough. I think, it and, and I guess rather than dwell on this too much, I'll just chuck my one in the ring because it kind of plays to that point in that that shift of man of the people, what man with the fans down with it. You know, one of us. You know, my nominations—the comment about when he's referring to Vardy and talking about you know you. All those people in the pub, you deserve, you know, saying they could have been football, you deserve to be in the pub, and it just seemed like a really odd outburst, a dismissive. And it, like you say, it, it it's symptomatic of two or three things we've said there about that they just became a slightly more detached from everything that was driving us together united. You know, the little things we've talked about there have just led to a bit more of a divide than we've seen before, and that's that's sad. and I I probably think we should maybe wrap up this section there and come back in a minute to finish on a bit more of a high in part three with some more good memories.
2: New trainers, John?
1: What these? No, mate. I've had them for years. Just got them back from being clean. Look really good, don't they? Yeah, really? Is that a thing? Honestly, they look new, mate. They look class. Yeah, it's a thing. Really reasonable too. Adam done at this place called Glistening Kicks. They're in Sheffield. F- fellas of Blade too. Oh, nice one. That says buying new ones, doesn't it? How do I find them? I've got a few pairs I need looking at myself. Absolutely. Save, save me, as someone who's got a bit of a trader for H, an absolute fortune. You can get them on social media like most things these days. They're on Twitter at Glistening Kicks and Instagram at Glistening underscore Kicks. Or they have a website, www glisteningkicks.co.uk give them a shout the process is dead easy they collect them safely and then drop them back off with you and if you take them round yourself that process could be even quicker um, they look, feel and smell like new and it's, I'm, I'm absolutely chuffed and I'm already looking at what pairs I'm going to take down um, next to have them look at for us
2: nice one, cheers for that I'm going to get on to them straight away what was their Instagram again at glistening underscore kicks
1: that's the one. Really good service and I couldn't recommend it enough to any blades. Brilliant. Nice one, all the blades.
3: Okay hey, welcome back to part three everyone uh, and obviously we're going to try and just kind of raise the mood a bit for the last section. Um, we've just talked about obviously some of some Chris's possible failings in the media over the last year or so uh, but what we all want to try and remember is, is how at one point and for most of his time at United he's been he's been pretty much boxed office where the media and the press have been concerned so we're going to look at his his best interview and his best what we call a wilderism the difference was spoonerism but you get you'll get the picture when we when we kind of throw our nominations in so Phil. Um,
2: Wilder's best interview. There can only be one for me. Every three weeks, I get my hair cut. Everyone knows how the rest of that interview goes. I mean, he must have been absolutely banjaxed because he can barely speak when he's talking. He's he's got the mayor of Sheffield's chain around his neck and he's tried nicking her hat. And he's talking about Henry's and he's waving up at the... Looking up at the town hall steps, and he's walking past all shops. He talked. it was just brilliant, wasn't it? Brilliant, brilliant interview. And he went on and on and on. And everybody that's that's lived in the city can relate to what he's talking about. It was just tremendous. Yeah, because
3: it was all it was all like a almost like a, a Sheffield landmarks tour, weren't it? Like you said, yeah, yeah. city old ballroom, mop pants, um, Josie's fountain. Cole Brothers, Brothers car park, Brothers, which is quite fitting, which is quite fitting on, on the day where Cole Brothers is there's not reopening again.
0: Yeah,
1: really uh, sad that. I think uh... that everything about that day. I mean, we were, we were... sorry, just be
0: moaning. John Lewis, middle class players, topical.
2: <laughs> <laughs> We've had hard fight. Phil Collins and John Lewis, never knowing <laughs> Hard to beat. Oh, well on. Oh. <laughs> so yeah, I, I'm. I'm surprised you've not all gone for the same. I've probably trumped you with that one because I just think it's hard to. That is hard to beat. There's,
1: you did I, say I why don't you did say why don't we put our, our nominations in here first and then yours appeared. <laughs> <laughs> so
3: <laughs> someone had to go first. Yeah, yeah we were all uh, fighting for second, third, and fourth place, weren't we? Um, Ian, your uh, your toughy interview.
0: I, I just look back on that interview um, prior to Phil and John joining him in the uh, copthorn afterwards in the well, whatever it is the, in the hotel afterwards um, when he was in the platinum suite on Sky when promotion was confirmed and him and Billy together bouncing up and down singing, pouring champagne all over the Sky guy um, not for anything he said it was just you've got your manager you've got your captain that's my club they're my people. Was just Muppets from and... Leeds
2: interview?
0: It was, wasn't it? Well, I wasn't... Yeah, it probably was, but I didn't even think about the aspects of it when I nominated it. It was just that moment of the two of them. Well, the Muppets from Leeds was
3: my nomination for this for this section. That Obviously, that specific bit. But the, just the way he kind of... The way he kind of spits some of the words out is brilliant when he kind of says, you know got muppets from Leeds like Bamford and Forshaw and telling me over to you and then he says oh, and he says we've lost once you've lost eight times and he's like incredulous in how many games Leeds have lost in the second half of the season it's just it's you can tell he's just he's just it's just, just coming off you can tell it has been building up for a couple of weeks and he's been waiting to the point that we we're up and they're not and then he's like right I'm fucking having you and it, yeah it's brilliant and I know obviously Leeds fans are now they're now reveling in it because they're doing well and Bamford's scoring goals and is it England squad, but you know that's that's you know you can't you can't rewrite history. You know, we were better than them that season and we we rightly milked it at the end. Yeah, that's fine. So John,
1: you're so
3: touching interview. on
1: what I've already sort of suggested about the order in which you got us nominations in. Um I know we talk about <laughs> Wilder's general demeanour in the media is really good, but I'm talking different sort of approach. And it was in the um, horrendous game uh, with, with Villa, with the the Hawkeye sort of nonsense. And it was just the passion and disbelief towards the lies and the ridiculousness of what had happened. And it's like, he's in the whole end. He's in the whole end and I have to stand on the side in London for four and a half minutes because of John Munster's big toe. He's in the whole end. <laughs> so tell me, like, just tell me how that's not a goal because he's in the whole end. And I'm going to say it again, he's in the whole end. I've seen the video. So why? But I had to stand in London because of John Munster's big toe. And it was just... I think we were all completely baffled. I mean... There were so many images and, and things like the WhatsApp chats in lockdown. Football haven't been my favourite thing to be honest, but that night it was so good to know. Actually, yeah, we're all in this. This is absolutely ridiculous. And while they sort of managed to compress the two hundred messages in each group into one like rant <laughs> and summed us all up in a in a in a really in a good way. Didn't do us any bloody favours, though, but yeah. And actually, that decision, I think, my friend Chief uh, in London asked me, do you think that goal was the moment everything changed? And he's a Palace fan. He goes, do you think that's when everything just started to change? Like, your look ran out, your momentum ran out and things like that. And I think that that could be actually... Pinpointed, but I just thought the way he dealt with that, because he added the wilder humour, but it was laced in passion. So now I wanted to get the passion across, but it was just he's in the whole end. <laughs> he's in the whole end.
0: <laughs> Can I just make an honourable mention for the interview at Southampton at the end of last season when the sprinkler system sent off pre-match. And Wilder makes this noise that I think it is just like a shriek.
3: <laughs> <It's starting laughs>
0: so yeah Uh,
3: so that's his his best interviews. so picking the the, the kind of last and final category which I think is quite fitting it's going to be like the the best Wilderisms. so the things that we're going to remember the little snippets little sayings little sound bites that we're going to remember him for for forever we're still going to be referring to and are going to form part of kind of Sheffield United fans lexicon of for years to come so in your
0: best wilderism. I have to admit I was third into the chat here and I probably would have gone for one of the others first, but I just love the plain talking of Wilder. The kind of everyday Sheffield lad and when he talks about not spunking money. It's it's not what the media and the London press are used to, but you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna spunk in money. Just
2: the way he said it as well, wasn't
0: it? Yeah. Just yeah, just, absolutely just the manner just the straight, straight talking. Now you can make an argument, as we've we've done earlier, that he maybe has spunked a bit of money since. but you know, um, yeah, it just yeah, it just just in a, a phrase, and it's kind of stuck around. I think end up on a Shoreham Street T-shirt or something for a while as well. So it's one of these, yeah, it's one of those things that, that sticks.
2: Yeah. Well, well, mine actually was the same, but it's uh, a typo has got it saying something completely different. But I was coming from the same place as he, I can't actually remember what that was about as well. I know he's talking about transfer fees, and he, he, he's not going
0: to waste the club's money because he's one of us. And no, oh, I didn't. I, I didn't read that, Phil. I just, I didn't know because I've read past it. Sorry, it This has
1: happened before, Ian. <laughs> 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 oh, that was a barbed
3: comment, young. Phil, Phil's actually says on the on the WhatsApp with the, with the typo, and I'm guessing autocorrect. It says slinking money.
2: Yeah. So no idea what slinking money is. It's something Wilder said at some point in his time, I'm sure. He's spending it's spending money on springs that roll downstairs. <laughs> the
1: uh what is it? The in that interview he's like the phrase, I suppose I'll give you one film, treat the club's money as, as his own sort of thing.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's what he was talking about. I just can't I can't remember when it was specifically or what what it was in relation to... I know I know what he was getting at and why he was saying it. And I just think that is something, like you said, Dan, about being united, kind of vocabulary going forward and, and forevermore, that if we're spending money on people that we don't think is necessary, we'll be spunking money again. Yeah.
0: Mm. Be a vote John? for three then, this one. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, for John? me, it was that every time he spoke... Uh, how fondly you spoke about Billy Sharp in the context of being the captain, being the talisman, being the leader. Everything from that first interview where they were like, "Oh, you've already had the conversation with Billy, and he's going to be your captain," and he's like, god player." That's not a very good Chris Wilder accent, but it's like, "Yeah, he's a good player. Like, he's going to be my captain. He knows what it's all about, and you know, it's all that like one of." added that extra layer to one of us because as well like you associate sharp with United and have done even under Adkins he was he was phenomenal and we were crap so then to be sort of captain leading the team out and sharp particularly in that first season and well actually every season even this season there's been times where we've needed somebody to step up and take penalties in the case of this season, but there was times in the first season of the Premier League just before lockdown, we were struggling to score Sharp came back into the side and was netting. Obviously scored a lot of goals when we got promoted from the Championship, scored a lot of goals in the Championship, scored a load of goals in League One. And every time Wilder spoke about him, he just felt great. And he, I think it really was, it's a connectedness that, we will miss with what whatever happens next and it's it will ultimately be it. You're never probably going to... Hopefully there is some lad who's, you know, kicking a ball against a garage tonight and goes on to do that for United but he's probably not... And I'm his manager but it's probably not going to happen for 20 years. Uh, I'm never going to be his manager but you know what I mean? And it it felt special. felt really special, the relationship between Sharp and Wild and the way he spoke
2: about him. Do you know, I think it's arguably Wilder's greatest ever move as United manager, and it's probably one of his first, if not his first decision, making it, Sharp captain.
1: It was probably the easiest decision he had to make, but yeah, it's definitely the best one. But I don't think it was actually one that was met with universal acclaim, either,
3: was it? People were a bit like, Sharp's not... Sharp captain, you know, strikers, the selfish, I'm not sure he's captain material. And then when the season didn't start well, and him and Clark couldn't kind of get the you know, they they couldn't kind of get the partnership firing, and they were like, "Well, you know, I'm not sure it works having Sharp as captain." So, yeah, it wasn't wasn't a, an instant success. Although that's the one that was instantly, uh, instantly applauded. But fair play.
1: Yeah, as well. Like, but it See, it sounds daft, but is coach going to make your best player captain? Like, if you're not, if you don't know the you're bringing in a new players generally built a new team that summer didn't he of course you're going to make your best player the captain the, and the fact it's one that knows the city knows the club knows what it's about and I think Sharp for me now has overtaken you likes some Morgan and people as a leader in a United shirt because he's and Alan Picard always says this I think he's right Sharp never gets anywhere near the praise that he deserves amongst our fan base at the moment and I think we'll look back on him and be like wow taking like twenty twenty ish goals a season for like three or four years on the spin that we've had like when we had him in this spell. Like you can't like that's phenomenal, isn't it? Yeah.
3: Okay. So my nomination, which is the final one, um, I'm not gonna go into any great detail about it. It's just five words.
0: In year, out, see. Ya. That's what I would have gone with. I went with Phils instead.
2: If you're gonna pick one of ours, you could have gone with that one.
0: <laughs> well, I think is it isn't it a bit? You know, we're we doing this now, and anyway, it's in four and a half years out. See you. Yeah. And I think, yeah, for me, it's tonight's been good. It's been it's been good to remember some good times. It's been good to have some balanced discussion about some of the things that haven't been so good.
3: Yeah, well, I think we need to be objective as a fan base. I think there's still a there's still a need for objectivity as much as possible.
1: It, it's it's not been a it's not been a good season. It's certainly not been a good like month or so for the club. But we do. It's nice to look back. But I also now I'm looking forward to not thinking about United this weekend. I certainly won't be watching England friendly and then. You know, hopefully seeing something between now and the end of the season, maybe seeing I and a few other players get on the pitch a bit more, and seeing a few players come back who've been injured, like Berger, and playing themselves in something like form. And actually, I want, to, I want us to win a couple of games and feel positive about next season. I don't, I think this sort of wilder hangover it is. We've talked about it so fondly tonight and it's lovely to think about it and think about the performances of some of these players. But we really need to now, as a fan base, think a bit more about what's to come because at the end of the day, Chris Wilder for many years has been Sheffield United. But he isn't in in many ways, but he he isn't Sheffield United. We don't support Chris Wilder, we support Sheffield United.
0: We've had a a once-in-a-generation manager. Harris in the seventies, Bassett in the nineties, Wilder now. You know, I think that's the kind of thing we've got to remember this as. And 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 enjoy that bit. Enjoy those memories. But like you say, look forward. With hope.
1: Definitely. Well boys, enjoy your weekend off from watching United. I certainly will. But as always, all the
0: blades. All oh, the blades. The blades. Up the blades. If you
1: go
0: to a ball in Ireland, you have to have a song, And if you don't have a song, you may as well not put a
1: border. I've changed the Murray, by the way, so if anybody wants to buy me my. Right. Well I'd say Peroni as well.